0: I feel the need. The need for a podcast exploring the films and career of Tom Cruise. Welcome to Cruise Views. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you did sound like a you sounded like a car. Yeah, I mean, Was that, that
0: intentional? No, that's just how my voice comes out sometimes. Okay, sentence, so yeah. this
1: is all it's all going under the jingle, so it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. Uh go, go ahead. Fuck it
0: out. Hello and welcome to Cruise Views, a podcast in which we explore the life and career of professional NASCAR driver Tom Cruise. I'm Tom Ashford and joining me as always is a man who sends my revs up into the red, it's Adam Scott Glasspool. <laughs>
1: Rubbish. <laughs> Rubbish this week. Rubbish. I'm sorry. I Hi. Know. You alright? Yeah. Yeah, well, okay, so you, as you alluded to, uh, you know, we're, we're you, listeners have joined us in 1990 for Days of Thunder. Um, but we're also joined by a guest today. Uh fellow Tom Cruise podcaster we're we're a rare breed but we found another one uh host of the impeccably titled Cruisin' for a Reviews in Kara Westworth. Hello.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
1: Well, thank you for coming on. Um I, I'm incredibly jealous of uh your podcast title because it's it's close uh to what I came up with, but what I came up with is nowhere near as good.
2: Yeah, I can't take full credit. Uh, a friend of mine helped me think of it and yeah. It's the it's the best thing about my podcast because everyone remembers it. Like my podcast could be like the worst thing on earth, but people will listen to it because it's got that name.
1: But it's not the worst thing on earth. It is it's a cool podcast. And and the um the concept of it is that you take someone who's never seen the movie that you're covering that Mm -hmm. week, right? And and you guys talked about it. And that is, again, inadvertently uh what we're doing because Tom's an idiot and he's never seen any movies is what it turned <laughs> out. And I I thought we were going to be doing like just, you know, just an exploration of film, but it turns out to be just holding Tom's hand yeah. through a lot of movies that he's not seen.
0: I've seen two Tom um, Cruise how- movies up to this point.
3: Jeez. Which is
1: yeah. we've gone through the whole of the 80s, which is which is crazy. Um how long have you been how long's the podcast been going?
2: It's been uh oh. I can't remember exactly when it started. It was definitely pre-COVID, so it's been at least two years. Um, I'm up to re- I'm recording the very last episode, so the last movie soon. But then the timing works out pretty well because then Top Gun: Maverick will be out a couple of weeks later. So
1: yes, the the second sequel to to Top Gun. I was very surprised to find out that this week's movie is the first sequel to <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> um, Why start a Tom Cruise? podcast like wh- why would you do that to yourself and your public well, image
2: um I, d- I don't know there was not a lot of logic in it I have never been a Tom Cruise fan until I saw Mission Impossible Fallout and something in that flipped a switch in my brain and I was like this is the greatest actor who's ever lived and I just went on a absolute binge I watched like I bought every single DVD and blu-ray or whatever I could of all his movies and I watched them all and I spent a lot of time, like, I have a very obsessive personality, so I hyper-focused on all that. And then I'm like, I have too much information in my brain. I need to expel it. <laughs> and I've always wanted to do a podcast because I'm a white person in my 30s. So, you know, that's what we do. It's, yeah.
1: yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, it's either that or streaming. You have yeah. to do one of the two. Yeah. And
2: everyone I know streams, so I thought I'd do something different. And yeah, so I started a Tom Cruise podcast. And it's been really fun. Uh, it's been an excuse to be a, a nerd about movies. Yeah. Um, I love them, and yeah, having a nice niche thing has been really kind of fun. Uh,
1: like, I'm assuming, you know, like you said, like not a huge Tom Cruise fan until until Fallout uh, came out, which incidentally might be my favourite Tom Cruise movie as well. That is a uh, magical movie. Um, but I'm assuming you knew of Tom Cruise.
2: Oh, I've seen a lot of his movies. So I'm a big action sci-fi, you know, what he kind of favours now, especially... um, love, <clears throat> I've always loved spy movies and things like that as well. So I had seen a lot of movies, and I had seen a lot of his big movies, especially from, like, the late 90s to now in the cinemas. But, yeah, I grew up in a household where my mum and dad thought Tom Cruise was the worst, and so I grew up with being like, oh, he's so weird, I don't like him, and then, yeah, that switch I mean, that is, turned that over, true. and, yeah... <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is he is pretty weird. I mean, they're, he they're is, not wrong. But about I don't
2: that. find yeah. it in a bad way anymore and like and I'm always vigorously defending him in front of crowds of people. It's yeah, it's become a yes. thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, the same. I, I think that the weirdness is what is uh, endearing uh, about him in in a lot of ways. And I think the weirdness is what pushes him to do uh the things that he does that make his movies so uh um uh, watchable, I guess. Watchable seems like a backhanded comment uh, a lot of the time. Um, c- can you pinpoint when you first became aware of of Tom Cruise?
2: I remember distinctly when I was a kid, we lived in country Victoria and we owned a little general store. And part of that general store had, was like a news agent kind of. It was just, we sold magazines and newspapers really. And... When he and Nicole got together, we, we you know would put, put up the front page, you know, the front cover of the the blown up front covers of the magazines, and my mum was just like, "I don't give a shit about these two. Like she, that, that's where her <laughs> hatred started. She was so sick of hearing about those two because she never liked Nicole Kidman either. And yeah, I just remember my mum ranting about how much she hated. So I remember distinctly, sort of seeing all that. And I don't like. I don't remember. What's the first film that made me aware of him? But I definitely remember that relationship. Mm.
1: In in which case it's gotta be kind of maybe the film that we're talking about today, yeah, Days of Thunder. Because so. that's their first, that's their first like on screen thing together. I wonder if I don't know. I don't know if uh, I mean obviously there's the Australian connection, right? Yep. With uh, with Nicole Kidman. Uh, this is one of the only movies that I've heard her actually be Australian in. Yeah, because I've not seen I've not seen Dead Calm, but I, d- I can't remember. What- I don't know what her accent is in that. Um, for you, right? What is Tom Cruise? What is like the essence of of Tom Cruise?
2: I would say that he is the world's greatest entertainer. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's the world's greatest actor per se, because there are people who are probably more talented. In the realm of acting, but as far as being an entertainer and being like 100% committed to being as entertaining as he possibly can in everything that he does, like, I don't think anyone can beat that. Like, he's a good actor, he loves doing his own stunts, he commits to parts that may not be, his, you know, out of his normal realm, which would be like Rock of Ages would be a good example. Like, he just fully commits 100%. And <laughs> even though that movie is. Just,
3: <laughs> like I, the, I hate it so much when you I said, you know,
1: <laughs> When you said Tom Cruise goes out of his comfort zone, I was thinking, yeah, born on the 4th of July, collateral. <laughs> and you went with rock of ages. <laughs> okay, great. That's good. But I do agree. I do agree. That is him firmly outside of his comfort zone. That's an interesting distinction, the difference between like uh, a great actor and a great entertainer. And I think, Tom, you and I, we've talked a lot about... Um, the the state of today's movie stars. Yeah. And I guess we're kind of thinking of The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and things like that. Yeah. And I think Tom Cruise, like, in order to be in the position that Tom Cruise is in, I think you've got to have both, right? You've got to be entertaining, but also be a decent actor. And I think The Rock, very entertaining, but maybe not a, a great actor. And I wonder if we're losing... Uh, those kinds of movie stars.
0: Yeah. I was trying to also think like, um, yeah, Ryan Reynolds and then uh, maybe Ryan Reynolds has been in better, more dramatic roles earlier in his career. And he's kind of fallen into the comedy, you know, the same. I can't find him. Yeah, I I can't find
1: him. And I've looked, I haven't watched (laughs) him,
0: but no, I can't think of a single instance of the rock doing genuinely good dramatic acting.
1: So is there anyone out there who's doing the Tom Cruise that is doing the entertaining and the interesting. Maybe. Like, is he our last?
0: Maybe Robert Downey Jr. Maybe uh, has he done any? Yeah. Good? I mean, he, in maybe. the past, he did some good dramatic roles and stuff like Chaplin. Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, the closest I got when I was thinking about this is Robert Pattinson.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Who can kind of be a swarthy lighthouse keeper and Batman? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's 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 uh, yeah. There you go. Why did you pick this movie? I think I sent you a list of various movies that were available, or you kind of very quickly went, "Well, it's got to be Days of Thunder." I think you, no. said you had an affection <laughs> for this movie.
2: I think because we decided that I might be back in the future uh, towards the end because I kind of spoilers be involved in as much Tom Cruise <laughs> shit as I can. Um, so we thought an earlier one, and I was looking at the list, and I think this had been the longest amount of time since i'd actually reviewed this on my own podcast because i do mine all out of order and right. yeah i think that was the main thing and i just thought maybe a fun silly one would be a laughter and the, the strain connections kind of fun too
1: yeah 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 definitely uh it's interesting that you said fun uh I might come down on a, a different side of the fence oh, to no, that judgment. my husband, was,
2: I was just watching it and my husband was like, that movie sucks. I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. This movie rules. I think
1: I, think I might be best friends with your husband. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I had an interesting journey with this movie because this is this, Tom, I'm going to just assume that this is the first time you've seen
0: it. Yeah, obviously
1: perfect yeah this is the second time i've seen it but something very important happened to me in regards to this movie in between my first and second viewing of days of thunder so let's talk about days of thunder it was released on june 27th 1990 uh it comes out in august and september most other places it's directed by tony scott and we've talked about tony scott already um it directed top gun to the to, you know to the surprise of absolutely nobody, uh, this was made by the same people who made Top Gun. Um, in between, he had made Beverly Hills Cop two and uh, Revenge, this Kevin Costner thriller thing. Um, this is the first example of of Cruise working with the same director for a second time. Um, and they must have started prep on this basically straight after Top Gun right What's what was Top Gun 86 mm. yeah so they must have gone from from post on Top Gun to to pre on this it's written by robert town with story by robert town and tom, tom cruise, cruise. Do
2: you know why that is
1: because he got obsessed with nascar right
2: no it's mostly because it was hardly written when they started shooting so they were writing that, as they went yes. along, and so they had to. I think they had to credit Tom Cruise because he wrote like most of his own dialogue.
1: He wrote most of his own dialogue. From what That's I, uh, interesting. Vaguely
2: remember from researching wow. this previously, but yeah. So
1: Christ, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know. I know it had. Um, it had had script issues, but but like Tom Cruise had been involved. Like this whole movie is basically his idea. He he went to a studio and went. I want to make a movie about NASCAR. Um, and started, like, developing the, the, the ludicrously named Cole Trickle. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, and you want to hear of... a,
2: fun, a fun fact? So, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. So uh, this is something I remember from my episode of my podcast. Um, I was laughing at the name Cole Trickle. I'm like, what a preposterous mm. name. And my friend, Beck, who was on that episode, said, yeah, I'm guessing that they got the idea from the real NASCAR driver whose name was Dick Trickle. No. Yes.
1: <laughs> that's not true.
2: <laughs> so they toned it down by calling him Cold They toned Trickle. it down. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs>
1: Christ. Cold was a less stupid name than the real one. Okay, great. Good stuff. <laughs> that's, really, uh, that's really trickled me. Um... <laughs> It stars, obviously it stars Tom Cruise. Uh it's it stars Nicole Kidman. She'd just been in dead calm. And usually we go through like the whole notable filmography of somebody that Tom Cruise is starring with, but we're gonna have numerous chances to catch up with Nicole Kidman. This is where she and Cruise meet. Um And it's their, you know, it's their first of three collaborations in the 90s. And those collaborations kind of run the gamut of what ends up being, like, their entire relationship, right? I think Eyes Wide Shut is very much maybe the last time they saw each other. I (laughs) I, I don't don't know. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, it's got Robert Duvall, Tom. Yeah. Classic cinema legend. Uh,
0: He's in The Godfather.
1: He's in The Godfather, one of my favourite movies of all time. He's in The Godfather Part 2, one of my favourite movies of all time. He's in Network, one of my favourite movies of all time. He's in Apocalypse Now and all of these legendary 70s movies. Um, But this kind of sets up, this, this movie specifically kind of sets up his less prestigious bit part career. Going forward from this, he does a lot of movies where it's like, oh, and it's Robert Duvall as well, kind of playing like, a mentor or an an elder statesman of of something or other. Um, Nothing notable past Days of Thunder. But I reckon, like, Tom Cruise had a huge part in casting, like, Robert Duvall, another legendary actor that he admired, like he'd done with Paul Newman and Dustin Hoffman, getting to work opposite these, these huge stars that he admires from cinema of the past.
2: Imagine having that much sway when you're such a young person.
1: It's crazy. It's, it's honestly like... I, 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 whether you like or dislike this movie, that's probably Tom Cruise's fault. Because he's so involved. He doesn't get a producer credit, but he's so involved with this movie. He was prepping it for three years before they started shooting. Which is... I, I don't know how... Uh, is that rare for an actor? Actors come on board, and I suppose, Tom, you brought up Robert Downey Jr. I imagine he has a lot of say around directors, and I imagine he has a lot of say around who stars opposite him. Um But people like, well, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, We love Ryan Reynolds on the podcast. I don't think they have that kind of sway. I, I very much see them as actors who kind of turn up do their bit and that's kind of them done with the movie
0: funny you say that because i watched the adam project a few weeks back and that was a tom cruise no, it's about you yeah it's tom, it's a tom cruise movie it was originally going to be a tom cruise movie it was going to be about uh tom cruise going back in time finding his young self etc that sort of thing and then well, i want to see that movie i know but but instead <laughs> it's ryan reynolds
1: Terrible, With a digitally de-aged switch. Tom Cruise?
0: With a digi- Yeah, that's a, a horrible swap, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tom Cruise still plays the young kid, aged like eight, yeah. Oh, okay. well, I haven't seen... I thought it was like... Um... They only swapped him out for the, the, the current <laughs> version. They just thought, no, Tom Cruise, you don't look right for this role, but you look great as an eight-year-old. Ryan Reynolds will do an oh, old I... version of eight-year-old Tom Cruise really well. That's not what I was saying. And that's of the saying... Project. I thought...
1: I thought it was like Gemini Man, where no, it's okay. like, you know, Will Smith in his 50s meets Will Smith when he's like 20. No. Uh, it's that, not that Blu-ray abundance. is sitting on my fucking uh, shelf and I haven't watched it yet. Um, okay, also has Randy Quaid and Carrie Owens in it. Carrie Owens from uh, The Princess Bride, I think. Right? Princess yes. Bride's 80s.
2: Looking yeah, exactly cool. like Iceman from Top Gun.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, and fulfils a lot of the same He's He's the purpose. same character, basically. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. They don't become yeah. friends at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, absolutely Tom's baby. It stems from some driving he had done on a track at some point. And he was like, well, I've got to make a movie about this. Uh, and he started developing the story and the character. And he was heavily involved in who worked on it. Uh, it's that huge star power, Cara, like you were saying. Like, you know, this was the guy who as he was developing it, was coming off the back of that huge hit Top Gun and then working his way through his big Oscar plays, you know, like Rain Man and Born on the 4th of July. Um, he brought in Warren Skarin, who did some writing on Top Gun. So again, Tom Cruise is picking the writer. Uh, the, the film, This film was known as Top Car for a little <laughs> bit. That's that was the <laughs> that was the working title um and then the writer uh Warren Skyron quit because of how demanding Tom Cruise was but Robert town who who ends up being the writer was was kind of up to that challenge and I think this movie like the the production is 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 slightly remarkable uh, in the way that it's just a huge testament an example of the Hollywood excess of the the late 80s, like early 90s. So, like you said, Kara, when they started production in November 1989, they didn't have a script, they didn't have a title, and they didn't have a leading lady. They didn't have any of those things when they started shooting. Um, and yet Nicole Tom Kippen. Cruise
0: has been working on it for three years.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. Good Obviously job. He's very I mean, but the thing is, right, he was so busy during that time. You know, we talked about him turning up to meetings about Rain Man in the wheelchair he was using for Born on the 4th of July. He's doing all of these things at once. Um, Nicole Kidman is is Tom Cruise's choice. uh, Having seen a screening of Dead Calm and he ordered a screen test, Nicole said when she first met Tom she found him to be the sexiest man she'd ever seen in her life. So you have to I think you might have to somewhat question who Nicole Kidman's been hanging out with because he does look great in this movie, but maybe not the sexiest man I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the, Tom, the
2: Tom Cruise appeal isn't like just his physical looks. Like I reckon that is mm. a man that oozes so much charisma, even back then before he was full Scientologist. I think he would have just been the most charming, and he's like the most famous actor. Like he's the biggest celebrity in the world, even back then. So I reckon. Like, 60% of the, the charm and appeal is, is that. And, like, he personally asks you? Like, I'd be, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, in- interestingly, you are maybe the second or... No, th- third or fourth person to suggest that Tom Cruise oozes something, which is obviously a, a disturbing image. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, it just sounds like a mess, this whole movie. She was cast as the love interest... But that was her character. They hadn't worked out that she would be a neurosurgeon, and that that's how she gets involved in the in the story of the movie. They were just like, we need a love interest because we had one in Top Gun, I guess, and you have one in blockbuster movies, right? Mm. Um, they set out with a thirty five million budget. Some of that got cut when Tom Cruise didn't win the Oscar for Born on the 4th of July. I think they just kind of assumed that he was going to and therefore that would be a huge marketing drive of this movie. Um... But even with that budget cut, it still ended up going to $60 million, which is nearly double. It went three months over schedule. There were numerous arguments between Tom Cruise, Tony Scott, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, who are the producers, and Robert Towne. They were always just arguing about how to set up certain shots and what should be happening. Um, Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson opened a personal gym in a a storefront uh, that cost a lot of money for the budget of the film. They also had a designer couture wardrobe which they would dress the women of the production in. If they saw an attractive woman, they would take her to this walk-in wardrobe of designer clothes they have and go, you should wear this. And uh, I don't know, there you go, that's something. Um, I'm sure
2: they loved it. I'm sure like the the woman who was looking after some admin thing was like, cool, I'll wear a Chanel suit. Okay, this is really practical, thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. the runner who's going yeah. to get uh coffee <laughs> yeah. in these huge stiletto shoes
3: <laughs>
2: I was actually looking into Don Simpson so I, I mean I'm aware of him with Jerry Bruckheimer but I was actually yeah. today looking like googling him properly and I didn't realize how much of an 80s scumbag he was like just a, a scumbag yeah, I mean what about that
1: story like, 10 million kilos
2: of cocaine a minute by the sounds of it like intense which
1: is perfectly uh, visible on on the screen you know uh pe- people people say that you know you can see the money on the screen in days of thunder you can really see the cocaine on the screen <laughs> uh it's like it's a lot a lot of that uh, like late 80s kind of gross energy in it i think um you know do you know you know the barn where they build the car uh, there's a couple of scenes in the barn um, they built the they built the barn and then the writer said no that's not what the barn should look like so they tore it down and they built another one and then the writer Robert town said no that's not right either so they had to build a third barn I don't know what they were doing with the budget on this movie it's
0: absolutely insane were they not yeah. aware that barns exist
2: yeah, say they just go find a fucking barn like <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know.
1: Well, you know, just uh, I, I think obviously maybe that's why Robert Town and Tom Cruise got on is because they're both as sort of demanding and meticulous as each other. And it's a shame for me personally that that meticulous nature didn't come through in the film because the film is a bit kind of all over the place. It doesn't feel like a film that was worked on for four years, right? Mm. It feels like, for me, a film that was kind of cobbled together from outtakes of a different movie
2: oh well, yeah just like they slap together like when they do really shit like dreamworks uh sequels to i know madagascar and they just slap it together and put some pop songs in it and they make a million dollars they just thought they could do that yeah. which i think sums up the 80s and 90s pretty well It's like oh this thing was su- successful well we can't do a sequel so we'll just basically make the same movie with a slightly different title and just see how it goes and Probably most of the time it works, but in this case, not so much.
1: Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. And I think that very specifically, they're going for Top Gun,
2: yeah. right?
1: Like they they are just capitalising on the success of Top Gun, which was enormously successful. Uh, it, you know, on on a budget that was a third of the size of the budget on on Days of Thunder. Uh, is that right? I think the budget for Top Gun was fifteen million. Is that what yes. you told me before, Tom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. fifteen.
2: And they which have is these crazy. very large planes in that movie versus crappy stock yeah. cars like
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. I I don't know where all the money went. Well, I mean three a lot of it went on three barns. We yeah, know that. One
2: point five million and, at least went on each barn. So
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got the fucking wardrobe and the gym. So, you know, it all goes it all goes somewhere. And I mean the Tom cocaine. Cruise, and the cocaine. Tom Cruise took nine million, you know, which uh is an insane paycheck for 1990. Uh, Tom, work out the inflation on 9 million. Just in your head. Don't look it up, just do that in your head over the course of the episode. Okay. Um, (laughs) Let's get into the film, because we were just talking about Top Gun. It opens in exactly the same way as Top Gun. It's exactly the same colour, everything is orange, it looks like a Tony Scott movie, but instead of planes it's just cars and a racetrack. It's got that Eighties score. It's by Hans Zimmer, who worked on Rain Man, and Rain Man's a weird score. This is a weird score as well. Got Jeff Beck um, on guitar. Great. I can't remember who, what Jeff Beck. The Birds? Is that right?
0: I don't know. Okay. <laughs> he's, a guita- he's a guitar. Jeff Beck. Anyone? He's a guitarist. <laughs> he's a guitarist, and there's lots of guitar in this, and not good. It's not good.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, and it's not. It's not good. It seems like this film really personally—you seem personally victimized by this film, Tom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. i gonna it's jump jumping ahead a little bit. I am a bit tired. I think this is the point where I got a bit tired of the uh, Tom Cruise formula of this time. Of the he's really good at something, he loses yep. his mojo. He has to get really good at it, and then that's the end.
1: Yes. But then I think that's that this is maybe the move. This and Top Gun is the movie that it comes from. Yeah.
2: And yeah. Color of Money. Yeah. That, that was yeah, that sort of the, then- the three main ones in that Tom Cruise formula. So, Color of Money was a bit, a little bit different, but it was still the same, like the same structure of a young, cocky dude who has all this potential and he needs a older man who is a bit of a has been in that field to help help him through and then there's a woman to help him with the emotional side of it who's literally there just to, I don't know, help him sort his shit out and then he's really good at it and then there's a freeze frame and they finish.
3: Yes, it
1: is a freeze frame. There's a lot of freeze frame endings in Tom Cruise movies. I love the 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 freeze frame in
2: this, his manic run and then just bam, and just it's over.
1: (laughs) This one's insane. The freeze frame in this one cracks me up um the, the thing i like about color of money is it makes this really interesting decision to set all of that up and then just get rid of tom cruise at the end Oh yeah, it's and so it's good. not about it's not about tom cruise's character anymore it's about this has been and the redemption arc of 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 the has been um which you know i would have watched um robert duvall learning to love race cars again that would have been cool i'd have i'd have watched that um what are you, like I, I find the opening of a movie to be very uh, uh, important. What were like your first impressions of the movie?
2: First impressions. Well, I've, I'm not like uh, a car car person. In that I love I like cars and I like driving my car, and I, I wish I had lots of expensive mm. cars. But apart from that, I don't know much like racing. I don't know anything about, but through my friend being on my episode of the podcast, she taught me a lot about racing and it actually piqued my interest a little bit more. So watching it through the lens of like, oh, now I understand a little bit more about racing. Like, Because I, I don't imagine you guys, I don't know if this is unfair of me to assume that you don't like car racing very much.
0: <laughs> I mean, right what? now I'm watching Drive on Netflix. <laughs> I don't even like Formula One. <laughs> but those are fast cars that go brum, so uh
1: yeah no I I try and I uh, I watch I watch the F one if I've got like the time, you know. If I'm not doing anything at the weekend and the F one is on, I'll put it on. But I'm certainly not um I'm certainly not following it with any great sort of like interest. So that's a good assumption and I'm wondering what led you to that assumption, yeah <laughs>
2: I don't know two dudes who have a movie podcast like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Clearly not into right. any kind of sport even if the sport is like fast cars. Yeah. Good assumption. Good assumption. So you you're going to have to kind of use that knowledge that you got on your episode of the podcast mm. and you're going to have to use it on our episode of the podcast because we don't I yeah. I know nothing about NASCAR. But as far as I can work out it's the least interesting form of racing.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: because it's like famously like the the joke is that you just Turn left like the right. whole time. <laughs> yes. There's no interesting like we're comparing the you know U.S. like NASCAR versus Australian and Australian ones actually have much more complicated tracks that where you actually turn the other direction sometimes and Whoa. yeah just NASCAR is just an oval like and this like uh, the thing I didn't understand was well how is there like a dangerous turn if it's the same goddamn turn the whole way. Yeah. And she was explaining like there's different, like there's different gradients. So sometimes they'll be steeper and that's, yeah, she was explaining all that. So things, I thought NASCAR was the most boring thing on earth, but she enlightened me to a little bit more of the interesting stuff of it. Um, I think it is probably the most boring. Like I'd rather watch almost any other car racing, I think, than NASCAR, (laughs) but NASCAR has the advantage of being like that lower socioeconomic American Fan base, and I would love to go see NASCAR and just people watch. I think that would be the most fun thing on earth.
1: Oh, I'd love to go to a race in like, but I just I can't like watching it on TV just seems a bit uh, sort, of, oh. sort of tedious. But I think yeah, so much of the the appeal of going to the race is the tailgating and the vibe and the culture of of, of everything that goes on mm. at the race. I wonder if the film is slightly too interested in the racing of it because as soon as they Probably, start yeah. <laughs> talking about tires and they start talking about yeah difficult turns on an oval I just kind of lose sort of interest and I I I, I lose the thread of what's going on at all sometimes in this movie
2: Yeah um I'm still yeah, even though I know a little bit more about racing I'm still like mm, yeah could car yeah. car go zoom like
3: yeah I, yeah, yeah exactly. To,
2: it, it did help like i and I found the more that I've watched this movie, the more interest that I've had in it the last time I actually watched it before today uh they had at a local drive in theater they did a screening of this and I took my husband, like, against his will, and he was like, no one's going to be there. Who the hell wants to see this movie? And it was so busy, and everyone had their flash cars. There was one person <laughs> who had, like, their re- they recreated, like, a famous 90s Australian race race car, and, like, with the Marlborough cigarette brand logos all over it. Like, they actually paid to have, a, not, I don't know, does Marlborough cigarettes still exist? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it was wild. Like, everyone was there, and everyone was just so it felt like you're at like a car race so i think that helped me like enjoy like i enjoy the movie a lot more now after watching it a few more times because i don't know i actually don't know why i just think i kind of get it a little bit more the more i watch it but at a base level car racing is a bit boring and i don't understand it <laughs>
1: <laughs> um i think like this is like a minorly iconic Tom Cruise movie, right? Like it definitely has a fan base, less so than Top Gun because Top Gun kind of broke into the mainstream in a way that Days of Thunder kind of didn't. I can see why this would be a huge movie for people who love racing and NASCAR, yeah, for sure. I
2: think that's what's kept it in, in the public consciousness at all is that people who love racing and speedy cars like love this movie because it's n- not that many like... I, I was trying to think of examples, and it was like cars, the Pixar movie, yep. with, and with Talladega Nights, and I'm like, well, yeah, well, ta- yeah,
1: Talladega Nights is almost a direct uh, parody of For, yeah, this like movie, parody, yeah, yeah, and and then the other great like racing movies that I could think of were like Le Mans, you know the the old uh, the old one and. Um, uh, uh, Drive, uh, not not the Ryan Reynolds one. Oh, Driver <laughs> is what I'm thinking of. But th- those are all like sixties, seventies movies, mm. and I think it's trying to ape the spirit of those uh, a little bit. Um, but what Top Gun didn't do was go into any great detail about how the planes worked, or you know, or anything like that. And and the aerial photography was purely just like for. Look at those (laughs) those planes, you know, Um, and much more attention is paid in this movie to this is how the race works. This is the position that you are in and this is what we need to do. And I don't know, it just, um, there's a lot of non-story developing elements in this movie. That I think, well,
2: because they didn't have a script well, and they had to fill it with something. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think yeah, the end theory behind this movie <laughs> must have been like, well, we've got the cars, you know, we've got the races, and if we put enough of those in, then people will
0: kind of be interested. Um, I'm gonna be honest. When I before I started watching this film, I was kind of expecting like a precursor to like Fast and Furious. Really? Like, I didn't realize it was NASCAR. I just thought it was just Tom Cruise as a racing driver. Right, okay. So I was thinking more like, you know, there might be some street racing, there might be some sort of like... Well, there is some street Track-based stuff, but yeah, wow. Well, yeah. They rent cars
1: specifically to race them on a beach, Tom, what are you talking about? Okay,
0: well, that scene is then a pre-cut. Just have that scene for an hour and a half.
1: And you'd enjoy that because <laughs> you like the Fast and Furious movies? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, they, okay, they can go off some great. ramps or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I don't think any of the joy of this film comes from the story or the characters or anything like that, and it's just in the way that the main action is like shot and the races do look cool and they are quite intense and they are uh quite exciting and that's how we open like we open at a race, and I think it gives a pretty good account of of what a race entails and Then we cut to a farm to <laughs> a quiet farm where Robert Duval is farming and he's asked to build a car by Randy Quaid and if he builds a car they'll find a driver and it's getting right into it i was like okay we're not going to set up like anything other than build a car find a driver um, there's a short mention that he was banned from nascar although i can't do we ever find out why he was banned from nascar
0: hustling
2: i don't think so hustling that's the hustling. wrong movie
1: that's oh, the right, wrong okay. movie um they go and watch this uh, new driver. They kind of talk up the driver uh, they're using. I mean, we're introduced very early on to the current champion who's played by Michael Rooker, whose name is Rowdy Burns, which is uh, pretty <laughs> <So> cool. <good. laughs> awesome. I wish that
2: was my name. <laughs> I
1: know. There's some fucking, like, great names uh, in, in this movie. I mean, Robert Duvall plays someone called Harry Hogg which is uh, (laughs) excellent, excellent names. Um, But who is the driver? You know, who is this mysterious driver that they're going to get? And... Tom Cruise's entrance into this movie. Oh,
2: it fucking rules! (laughs) It's
1: so good. (laughs) It's absolutely insane. He's on a motorcycle, the wind blowing his longish hair back. He's driving through the smoke that's on the track. He's wearing a leather jacket, guys. It's unbelievable. (laughs) It's incredible. Uh, And he... it's, It's fucking ridiculous. But he... And then he pulls up and he gets off and he's giving... Tom, I'm, I'm going to say that this is the weirdest performance we've seen from Tom Cruise in a movie so far.
0: Yeah, it's very um, immediate. <laughs> like it it's, just, it's, it's like an inch for in your face. <laughs> yeah, it's so intense.
1: Uh. It's such an intense uh, performance for, for this movie. Yeah. A movie that is so in-your-face in the same way that Top Gun was, and I'm going to keep mentioning Top Gun because it's the same movie. Um, But he's just, he's in the same mode that he was in for Rain Man and Born on the Fourth of July. Right. Like, he's being, like, really quiet and mysterious and he's giving this kind of subtle performance in this movie that is repeatedly bashing you over the head with, like, shiny confectionery. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. It Kara uh, Tom Cruise in this movie.
2: Yeah, I think I see what you're what you're saying. Like he comes in, he's like kind of sheep. No, I don't know. No, sheepish is the right word, but essentially he is a. Um, I've forgotten the name already. The basically the Indy five hundred yeah. car racer. So they're the open cars with the big, huge, chunky wheels, and they're barely any metal. Like it's you're about two inches away from the road. And he's been racing like that, but something's happened that we find out about later that he can't race in the Indy or that style of racing anymore. And he wants to get back into it by getting good at NASCAR, which he thinks stock cars are all the same,
3: mm. which
2: means they're built to a certain specification apparently. And if he gets feels like he gets good at that and gets a reputation there, he'll be allowed back into the other car racing. And so I think like it's a bit of a he doesn't really want to be there but he he has to be and yeah he's kind of a bit I don't know reserved about it but yeah in a movie that is about goddamn NASCAR like we don't have time for subtle performances like <laughs> yeah exactly he should have been in there like getting into a fist fight with Michael Rooker like straight off the bat and yeah we were been like whoa here we go
1: the the Top Gun performance the the Maverick mm. performance of this insane. Uh, like, guy who's using all of his charisma and all of that. And it's just not, not in this movie, not a charismatic, not a typical Tom Cruise performance, I, I would say.
2: And I think also the thing that really screwed this movie over is I don't know if it's, if there it was a conscious reason or it's just the time to change slightly, but it wasn't even a tiny bit homoerotic and I didn't see any... Like male nudity at all. And I think that was yeah. Yeah, a huge detriment to this movie. I think like some of those things are what make Top Gun so obnoxious and good. Mm. And yeah, we just like, it was just like a not even a bromance. It's like just a slow, natural progression of a friendship between two men. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. I want you to be like sweaty yeah. and like banging lockers and throwing things. And then, so like a little, like a little car chase, like,
1: I want to be confused yeah. as to whether or not you're going to punch each other or kiss each other, basically. Yeah. That kind of that kind of energy. Um, they say, they're they saying he's not experienced enough to drive, right? And he's giving that very brooding sort of like oh, rrr, 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 performance. <laughs> uh, but he seems to have that kind of connection to Harry Hogg, uh, Robert Duvall's character. I'm, I'm going to laugh every time I say the name, guys. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> they let him drive. Um he disobeys the suggestion to go slowly at first he's a bit of a of a maverick in that regard uh, his time ends up being better than the champions. that's the rivalry sort of being set up um and so they build a car and the building of the car in the third barn that they built uh, is kind of shot <laughs> with like this enormous sort of reverence. Like it's a ceremony, but also it's very scientific uh, and clinical and the soundtrack that Hans Zimmer is using all of his big 80s kind of moves. Um, I imagine that that is a great scene if you give a fuck about cars, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's a shot that is basically just like, oh, look at that bloody engine, eh? look at that engine and i'm looking at the engine and going that looks like an engine but i imagine there's a that whole sure section. A good engine yeah yeah exactly uh, but i imagine there's a whole section of, of people who watch this movie going oh, i know what kind of engine that is i know the importance behind that engine i love that engine i would use that engine myself tom what's your kind of opinion on the engines in this movie
0: um they mostly work
1: sometimes sometimes they don't tom. yeah and that's very much the, the thrilling part of this movie, yeah. is will the engine work?
0: <laughs> After all that glorification of the engine, yeah, will it actually do the one job it's designed? Yeah, to do? well, we don't know. We don't <laughs> nah, know. Who knows?
1: Uh, and then we get his first race. This film is not hanging about. I think we're 10, 15 minutes in. Uh, straight into the ri- uh, rivalry stuff with uh, Rowdy, who keeps kind of bumping him. They're talking about the difference between crashing and, and, and rubbing. Um,
2: rubbing is racing, apparently.
1: Rubbing is racing which is my new pickup line. Um, <laughs> during, a, during a pit stop, uh, he, <laughs> there's that funny line where Robert Duval t- tells him that he wants him to hit the pace car. And Tom Cruise is like, why why, why do you want me to hit the pace car? He's like, well, you fucking hit everything else in, in the race, so you might as well <laughs> hit the pace car as well. Um, doesn't do well in the race. And then we go to another race. Uh, <laughs> I just, there's so many races, guys. And he crashes out. Um, and then he goes to another race, uh, and do you know what? It's, it's actually like a pretty fun montage. That initial Tom Cruise being not great at at this kind of racing um, is 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 pretty fun. He's you know he's, he does that thing where he goes, "Oh, this is gonna hurt!" before he crashes. Uh, he fights with his crew because they're eating ice cream. Uh, I like there's that a lot yeah. I identify yeah. with that. If someone
2: if I everyone I knew was eating ice cream and I wasn't, I would go and start a fist fight too. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um yeah. It's it's like a fun montage, which is then brought down by like a very serious uh, meeting uh by the the owner of the team, which is played by Randy Quaid, the guy who's putting up all the money. Um and it's kind of coal trickle reveals <laughs> to Harry Hogg that he he doesn't really understand what's going on. Is, is that right? I mean, maybe I didn't understand what was going on, but that's kind of the, the thrust of, of that, right?
2: Well, I think they, they were butting heads really badly, and obviously it was just like a young cocky dude and the older mentor who's been there done that. That's naturally going to have some friction, but Cole just wants to do things exactly as he understands them, which is from a very different form of racing Whereas Robert Duval is, you know, knows what he's doing and expects that he should just be listened to because, of course, he knows what he's doing, and so there's further friction with that. And then neither of them will kind of budge. And so yeah, goes in the wrong because he just is—he's being too cocky and thinks he knows everything. And Robert Duval isn't trying to connect with him in any level, so yeah. it takes like a little bit of a stern talking to. And Hog is like, okay, <laughs> I will start trying to be an actual mentor and then they have like, I know they start to start understand each other a little bit better and things start getting better. Like he's like, do 50 laps as you think they should be done and then do 50 laps how I think they should be done and we'll compare everything. And like they physically compare the tyres and one is looks fine and one is all torn up. So, yeah, they kind of start learning how to deal with each other slowly and... Yeah, they start to be able to work together.
1: Yeah, I, it, obviously Harry's way ends up being better. I think the the, the film actually does a pretty good job of like the, that that visual of of the tires was very useful to me because mm. uh, like when they started talking about like all the technical terminology and stuff like that, I just it kind of all like washed over me. And I think the film does try and mix the faithful specifics of racing with the high drama of like a thriller. And I think that they, they 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 don't rub up against against each other very um uh complimentarily, yeah? yeah they're not very compliment they don't complement mm-hmm. one another they're two very very different vibes and I don't think the film does a very good job of mixing the vibes but it does do a pretty good job of, of kind of holding my hand to some degree um mm. and yeah you're right like he he starts mentoring him properly and we get another montage of of racing and and he's better at racing now and there's rock music and now he's uh bullying rowdy and rowdy is nearly knocked out and Cole's in the lead and uh there's this whole thing where a, a mistake in the pit like ups the ups the tension and it you know they do a pretty good job of of making sure you know where Cole is in the race what he needs to do uh to become first um so they go for that risky move um, and Harry Hogg uh, tells him uh, that he's put special tyres on in that pit stop. So so this risky move will, will pay off. And it's the risky move is to go up where the gradient is higher, right, and go around the outside of a car because you would very rarely
2: do that, I assume. Yeah, so <clears> – <throat> and I actually know this from life experience where my mum always, always teach me when driving a car is – race car drivers always choose the straightest line through a curve. So you would usually go from the inside lane and there's there's a straight line through. I know I was Googling it. I was trying to work out all the, uh, some of the terms and forgotten them immediately, of course. (laughs) And yeah, they're showing like what's an early one, a late one and like the perfect kind of one. So yeah, normally you would be more inclined to be down on the inner lane
3: Mm.
2: and going through. So, and I think on that, the gradient on that is quite high, so it actually will give you a lot more speed, and so that's where it becomes really risky, is because you're going, you're in the wrong place for the straightest line, so you're going to turn more, and also you've picked up a lot of speed. So I think those things, and that's why no one does it, and that's why he ends up employing that as his tactic later in the movie because no one does it, and it works for him.
1: Yeah, and and it, and it, and, it, and I think it works for him here as well because he just wins. Uh, and it turns out that uh, Hogg had lied about putting special tires on. He just wanted to kind of. He he knew that uh, Cole Trickle could uh, could do it, and and just ne- he needed that sort of like he needed that to just kind of uh, spur him on. And then after that, we have that weird scene where Cole and Harry have a bit of a heart to heart, and <laughs> they wrestle as well. So you know you can say that it's not homoerotic. I don't know. Uh, Tom Cruise wrestling Robert Duvall oh, that's really... Dad,
2: that's such a dad uh, <laughs> son kind of... Oh, we've connected. Let's have a wrestle. Yeah, I
1: suppose so. I,
0: I don't know if Adam had the same childhood uh, growing up as me, but I didn't <laughs> tend to wrestle with my dad.
2: I didn't wrestle with
1: my dad. No. I did wrestle with a lot of older men. I don't know oh, if that's... Yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, it, was, it was absolutely insane to me to find out that they were inside a big truck.
2: Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, this whole truck scene. And the only reason I know about these trucks is because of the movie Cars. Because that's important. Sure. That, and the truck is alive as well. And that's I always find that weird. And like they're inside, they're getting transported oh, in the truck. Yeah. The truck is also a sentient being. I'm like, oh no, I don't like
3: oh. it. Oh where,
2: where are they hanging out?
1: That's, oh. uh, <laughs> so many horrible questions.
2: <laughs> but that whole scene, that's where they all find out. Cole's backstory, which is basically he's, oh, I can't even remember it. Like, I watch a movie and I immediately forget everything that's happened in it. But he, I think it's just like his dad did something really dodgy and it's kind of meant he, that's how he's gotten expelled mm. from that particular other stellar racing. Like Top Gun. But the thing that I remember, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing <laughs> that I remember the most, yeah, it is a lot like yeah. God damn, um, is all the sexual assault that happens. Uh, At the end of that truck scene. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with like, a wow, particularly... Was a different time. A particularly intense shot of Tom Cruise's jeans. Uh, <laughs> like, that was just very alarming. Um, like, I assumed they were doing the thing from Spinal Tap, where he had a cucumber in foil stuffed down his jean- jeans. But no, apparently not. Uh, like, right, okay, I can't... Right, they get pulled over by the police, right? Um,
2: yeah, for transporting liquor over state lines. Yeah.
1: But then Cole starts getting felt up by the, the 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 female officer that is that is searching him, and she undoes his jeans, and then she undoes her own uh, top, and it turns out she is a stripper, right? Uh, like, mm. yeah. Um, who are the male cops that come with her?
2: Yeah, it's a, a bizarre situation. Like, did they just pay off actual cops and then I just plan a stripper? Because Or they were they male strippers who have the cops like they would just start tearing I off their pants and
1: no. Did they order coal one female stripper and two male strippers? Um Yeah. Did, uh how did they get hold of the actual police car that they used to pull them over?
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like this what? massively convoluted thing. <laughs> And they're like (laughs) laughing, like "Oh, we got you, we tricked you." And I'm like, "Yeah, it was a very successful trick because you had three cops in a cop car come and like Uh, yelling at you about the crime that you were committing." Like,
1: I I couldn't uh, I couldn't work out what was happening at all. And and as we go further into the movie, I don't know why that that plot line exists at all because I thought, "Oh, it's a throwaway joke," but it comes back. Like a couple yeah. of times in the movie, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, another thing that happens in the truck, which is probably quite important, is is John C. Riley uh, talks about his dad's death uh, in a race, and they kind of they're setting up this level of of danger, right? But also something mysterious that happened in in Robert Duval's past. Anyway, we cut from the sexual assault back to another race, um, <laughs> and it is again like. It's capitalising on that Top Gun energy, you know? It flits back and forth between racing and not racing, in the same way that Top Gun went, okay, here's a bit of the plane thing, and now we're going back to a bit of the talking, and now we're back to planes, and now we're talking again. Um, And so it advances the story in only very, very small increments. Whatever magic Top Gun had, because I think, Cara, your description of it earlier, obnoxious but good uh really sums up my feelings on Top Gun as well. There's something that that film does to me where I can see all of the parts that if I just say them to you they sound like negatives but they're all positives <laughs> in the context of that movie. Um and Tom you came away with kind of the uh the impression that it was obnoxious but fine, right? Yeah, Top Gun. Yeah. It's a,
0: it's a good movie.
1: And our guest, Laura Kelly, came away with the impression that it was obnoxious and not very good. But we can all agree that it's a, an obnoxious film. Yes. <laughs> I think that's, that's definitely what we can all agree on. Um, and I think... it uh, Whatever magic Top Gun had, Days of Thunder doesn't have for me. Uh, yeah. And I think that when we come to talk about how the film did at the box office and with critics, I think that's echoed there as well. It didn't have the kind of hold over audiences that that, that Top Gun had. Um, During the race, there's a crash. Cole has to drive through the smoke from the crash and then crashes himself. He's airlifted to hospital with Rowdy. Cole has, has gone blind and his doctor, his neurosurgeon, is Nicole Kidman, uh, and he has a, a bruised, swollen brain that is affecting his vision. We should talk about Talladega Nights because it's kind of a direct parody of this. Uh, um, like the beat by beat storyline of Talladega Nights, I think, is exactly the same as Days of Thunder, and they both have John C. Riley in it.
2: That's so good, and he yeah. looks the same, and like, he just
3: looks, yeah, he does.
2: Like he's he slightly more youthful in this, and he's very sweet, a very sweet character in this, but I'm like, man, that man. Started looking 40 when he was 20 mm. and then just has stayed the same ever since. <laughs> God, Adam
0: drowning. Uh,
1: God, yeah, nearly.
0: <laughs> Tom, have you seen Talladega Nights? I have not.
1: It's worth watching. I think it's. Uh, yeah, well, I'll say it at the end. I'll say it at the end. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um. So everyone visits him in hospital and then. Claire.
2: What's her name again? She's got a weird name. Claire Lev- name?
1: Levicki? right? Lev- 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 oh, hang on, I've got it in front of me. It's 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 Claire Levicki. Or yeah, I, I, I don't know if you'd say it Levicki or Lewicky. Uh, Lewicki, Lewicki. Oh, is it Lewicky? That's not how yeah, I. Yeah, I was
2: having a laugh at the name. Typically
1: pronounce that. I mean the 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 names are insane. Buck Bretherton <laughs> is, is is the name of. Uh, of, of John C. Reilly's character. Carrie Elwes, the, the, the replacement uh, rival, is called Russ Wheeler in a film about cars. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um,
2: Except, hilariously, I bet they're all based on real names. Like, I'm right. sure if we looked into it, and they probably, yeah. like, it's with, like, huh, and obnoxious names, and all these Americans are like, excuse me, I come from a great <laughs> yeah. long line of racing car wheelers. Yeah. Thank you very much.
1: I'm very proud to be a member of the Hogs. I think you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Claire Claire Lewicki comes to visit uh Tom while everyone is visiting uh him. And and this is the first time that Cole is able to it's the first time that he's seen her. Um mm. because he's been blind. even heard her
2: because when he asks for someone to talk him through what's going on, because he can't see, he's like like normally I have somebody in my ear telling me what's going on. And so Hog is the one who talks to him, so he's never even heard her voice. So he I just...
1: don't buy that for a second. That <laughs> that he he's blind for a period of time, and she sees him once and never talks to him. And he, she's his neurosurgeon, just
0: wheel, no. just wheeling um, him so into it, like cat stand yeah. silently. Like
1: he definitely <laughs> must have had more than one test. That's insane. Anyway, um, he thinks that she is another stripper that the guys have ordered uh, uh, for for him. But she's not a stripper, is she? She's no. the actual neurosurgeon. And therein...
2: Can you believe it? Women in doctor's Whoa. positions? Unbelievable.
1: The doctor was a woman, indeed. Um, and, and therein lies the humour. I mean, imagine a woman who's a doctor. Uh, and and not a stripper. Very confusing for Coltrickle to be like, what do you mean there's a woman in a hospital that's not going to take her clothes off for me? Uh, I, I don't like this movie at all guys. I don't like what it's saying. I don't like its values. Um uh, obviously, him and Rowdy are both in the same hospital, and there's an absolutely fucking ludicrous scene where they race in wheelchairs.
0: I liked that.
2: Oh, I, I was liked laughing that so scene. much of that. You like
1: that scene? Well, it's sh- stupid, I- but it's a respite. <laughs> you
2: know, you know, it's this like they directly did it in The Simpsons.
1: Did they, uh, did they?
2: Yeah. So there's it's my, when I saw it the first time, I'm like, holy shit, this is from The Simpsons. It's when Homer is. Um, pretending to be another resident at Grandpa Simpson's old folks' home. Right. And when dinner's called, he sees people in wheelchairs wheeling past. So he jumps in a wheelchair and he sees Jasper zooming past an electric wheelchair and he's like, what the? And later on he has access to an electric wheelchair and there's him and Jasper zooming down the hallway towards dinner and they're like ramming each other and... Yeah, eventually Homer just jumps and runs out because he can't. <laughs> no, he doesn't need that. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, direct parody of this movie. And, yeah, a lot of people I don't think would ever have gotten that because I imagine a lot of people who love The Simpsons probably haven't watched this movie very much.
1: Do you reckon? I reckon there's a – well, I mean, I think everyone's seen The Simpsons, right? Like there, there's got to oh, be, be some surprised.
2: I, I know a surprising amount of people who didn't grow up watching The Simpsons.
1: That's that's weird. That's weird. You need yes, to I... you need to cut those people out of your life. Um, the, <laughs> there's just such a grim inevit- inevitability to it where you're like like the the orderlies like push the wheelchairs like next to each other like like Cole arrives into the scene and is and it ends up being pushed next to Rowdy and you're just like oh they're not going to actually race wheelchairs are they and then they do it's exactly what they do and it fulfills my worst expectations of of, of the movies. Um, I, I, it's just not at all clear to me when the film is intending to be funny, you know, mm. because even in that scene, mm. Tom is giving the board on the 4th of July performance. <laughs> like it's subtle. And yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Why wasn't there wheelchair yeah. racing in that film?
1: Well, <laughs> it's very out of tone with the movie. I think. Mm.
2: <laughs> there was some wheelchair fist fighting. That's good point. Yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Um, Uh, Nicole Kidman tells them that they can't race and NASCAR says that they shouldn't race because they're fed up of the rivalry of it all. Um, And then uh, Mr. Hogg comes clean with Dr. Nicole uh, about the stripper thing and is like, oh, we we played a joke on him and this is what you thought, you know, this is what he thought happened, but that's not actually what happened. So actually it's okay for you to fancy him if you want to. We're just going to tidy that up. And you could have just not had that bit in the movie at all yeah. And ended up in the same place.
2: Yeah. I suppose so. It is
0: acceptable for a human man to find a human woman attractive and then just speak to her.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's as he does. I know, there, yeah. there
2: was like a little bit more sexual assault where he forced her hand onto his dick. Yeah. So Yeah. It's a lot of sexual I assault. I think it, it would have been a bit of a leap yeah. if they But also, as I discuss have discussed this on my podcast, is she that the hospital is actually where everyone um, from the racing industry, like Daytona, go to? So that interaction with him is probably on the lower end of the spectrum of horrible things drivers have done.
1: Yeah, to her. that's true.
2: So she's probably like, "Oh, he only like forced my hand onto his dick. Like, what a charming gentleman. A good, like, good day at
1: work today. Only one person <laughs> grabbed my hand, and forced it up to
0: their dick. Yeah."
1: <laughs> yeah but he does he does ask her out uh um but she thinks it's because uh he wants to like get back to racing sooner, like the idea that like if they're more friendly, she will clear him for for races and i okay, let's talk about Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman what what do we think of of them both in in this movie? Fine, yeah, they exist like, they do <laughs> they have uh,
2: i th- I don't love Nicole Kidman I've never really dug her acting. But I actually think she's – this is one of her more enjoyable roles for me mm. because even though this movie is quite sexist, she does assert herself a few times in the movie, like when she's calling him, like, immature a few times and reassuring him that I'm not going to just say you can drive a car because, you know, you fancy me. Or she says, like, you can talk to all the male doctors in this hospital if you like, but we all agree that you can't race. Like, she's yeah asserts herself a few times, which is good. And I think she genuinely ends up fancying Cole, which is which is also a bit thingy because it's like a big red flag of all the love bombing that he does, like when he fills yeah. her apartment with all that yeah. tacky shit. I'm like, oh no. Classic
1: don't. like eighties, nineties movies, insistent dating method. Like
2: If I just harass this woman enough, she'll eventually fall for me.
1: I mean she she even says like oh we can't do this because uh she's a doctor and it's inappropriate and she's completely right. Like, yes, that's that's correct. Good boundaries.
2: And it's a huge conflict of interest. You're you're yeah. the NASCAR doctor, brain doctor, and your brain patient is now love bombing you and you should be like, No. This is too much. And these like, are the technical When you're
1: technical no longer my patient, we'll think about it. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's uh, wild. And and all the stuff where she does stand up for herself. And there are bits of it in Top Gun as well, where Kelly McGillis' character kind of asserts herself. It's all undermined by the fact that the lead, the male character, does whatever he wants anyway, and then they still get together at the end. Yeah, it's,
2: it's literally undermined by them even being Entertaining the notion of yeah. being with this guy, yeah,
3: yeah,
1: yeah, and
2: like, yeah, any, any, like, yeah, go girl is like, oh, for God's sake, like, a thousand red flags wagging, waving in her face, and she's like, mm, but he's hot though. so. Well, he
1: is hot. He's the sexiest man she's yeah. ever seen. <laughs> uh, which, which is it? The thing that's weird to me is that they don't have great chemistry on screen. And I thought, like, oh, this is where Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman meet. And then they – spoiler alert, Tom – they get married uh, at one point. They've got kids. Yeah. And you're just like, I thought, okay, this is going to be them burning up the screen with their insane chemistry. And they're just two people talking to each other.
2: No, they they <laughs> save that all up for Far and Away, where oh. that movie is a vehicle for them to make fuck-eyes at each other the entire time. Oh,
1: really? Now,
2: oh, yeah. neither
1: <laughs> of us have seen Far and Away, oh. so – Okay, I'm looking forward to fuck eyes yeah. for next week, Tom. <laughs> not not you and me. I mean, like well, the movie. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> you don't know. A lot of people have said that this podcast is just you and me making fuck eyes at each other. <laughs> um, there's uh, another. Uh, do you know what? A weird scene in a litany of weird scenes. Um, where Cole and Rowdy race in rental cars to a meeting, uh, with the NASCAR boss, and that sorts out all of their issues. They, yeah, the, yeah, at the
2: meeting, when they go at the end of the meeting, like, it was radiator problems. That's why we're late. And they're just like, smiling at each other. And I'm like, yeah, are we just, did we just become best friends? Yeah, we're like, it's literally That's the it. stepbrothers' bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> I, It's so I, stupid. I genuinely liked that scene just because it cut between the restaurant with like, nice classical music playing and then them suddenly with like, red hot chili peppers, like,
1: yeah, punk, that was like yeah. funk
0: rock guitar. It was just, it was <laughs> nice.
1: That is, that is an effective uh, uh, device. Uh, where, like, I'm just, I've got in my notes in front of me, like, where has Tom Cruise's charm gone? Mm. Because I just found it to be kind of absent from this movie. And the film is going for big and brash. And he's going for, like, dour Oscar performance in some ways. And it, it's just, like, it needs, it needs his big, you know, big, big performance that he gave, like, arguably, right? I love Colour of Money you should swap the performances. You should mm. Mm, big Vince energy in Days of Thunder and then tiny Cole energy in Colour of Money, maybe.
2: Mm, that would have been great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: Although we never would have had that scene where he's wearing his little Vince shirt, playing pool, and they're circling around. Werewolves of London. Singing yeah, yeah. Whack, whack! With the,
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> and the finest scenes of all
2: times.
1: <laughs> um. Claire Lewicki, the doctor Nicole Kidman um goes with him to somewhere and examines him right I think is I, I I started to get very confused guys because yeah. I'm gonna be honest I started to get quite bored yeah <laughs> like, I, think, I think that's what was was happening but there's some kind of examination um he kisses her they hook up um I I, I, I I noticed it was slightly interesting that he lets himself be shorter than Nicole Kidman, which I think might be difficult because Nicole Kidman's quite tall, but in Top Gun, um, he was on I have
2: a lot to say about this. He was using lifts is, and stuff, yeah. Um I think I don't think he has ever been that crazy self-conscious about height because I don't think he would have married two women who are much taller than him in a row. Yeah. So I think a lot of the time, like, as famously he had to be, he was taller as um, Lestat in Into the Vampire than Brad Pitt's character, but that makes a lot of sense in terms of the, the two characters. And I think, so I think a lot of it was, I don't think it's Tom Cruise being precious about his height necessarily because he's fucking Tom Cruise. He, like, who cares? He's like, what do I care if I'm short? <laughs> um, I, like, I could beat your ass. But he, yeah, I think for character stuff, I think it's, a thing where they go okay it doesn't make sense for him to be shorter audiences are going to notice that so they change that there and yeah in this case like who gives a fuck like yeah the racing car, racing car drivers usually especially in um the other racing indie they do have to be smaller i think well, you want because someone it's as light as vehicle. possible as
0: well right yeah, yeah. Well, and also
2: yeah, so it's such a light the rock
0: famously can't get in some sports cars
2: I want to see him try. The Rock can't
0: own a Lamborghini because he physically can't get in it.
2: I want to see that man (laughs) stuck in a Lamborghini.
0: (laughs) You'll notice that he only ever drives like Jeeps in the Fast and Furious franchise.
1: That's interesting. That's really interesting. I'm going to look out for that on my next... uh... That's why
2: Arnie liked Hummers, right? Because that's probably the only vehicle his big arms could fit into.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That poor horse in True Lies. Um... Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't know that he is that precious about about his height, but he does only tend to kind of um, be noticeably shorter than his co-stars when he's with directors that he trusts, um, mm. or or directors that maybe understand that that's actually a, a weird part of his like power. But too much of it is made of his height anyway, because who cares? It's just part of that uh, the Tom Cruise myth, and I think we should point out like bits of his myth where he is like maybe a bit short in some movies and he's a Scientologist and he does his own stunts and he's a a weirdo. Uh, And I can't wait until we get to him uh, shouting at everybody on the set of Mission Impossible 7 uh, because that's a fascinating insight into the side of Tom Cruise that you don't usually see. I'm rambling. I'm going off on a tangent. Um, They have sex.
0: A thorough physical.
2: (laughs) I liked him okay, mansplaining mansplaining <laughs> racing to her with sh- sugar packets on her legs. Well, that was very useful and, to me, though. Yeah, but yeah. it was like, it was good to like for the yeah. audience. I'm like, oh yeah, it's very good. Splendor packets, yeah, nice. Yeah. And but like yeah, at the end, like she, I guess she, maybe she didn't know, but you think that she if she's working a hospital right next to a Daytona that she would be a little bit aware of. But maybe yeah, right. like us, we're just like, I don't give a fuck about this yeah, ridiculous I, sport. I, I,
1: I was just slightly glad that it didn't boil it down to like him saying to her, like, and if I cross the finish line first, it means I've won. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I'm glad they didn't boil it down to like to its bare, <laughs> bare essentials. Um, he's now friends with Rowdy. They go and visit him and, he, and, he, and there's the first signs that he's starting to feel unwell and Claire examines him. He's advised to return to the neurosurgery ward, which becomes the kind of secondary narrative for the second half of the movie. And Cole is is, is racing again, but he's got the fear and uh, something goes wrong with his car. But the implication is that, that Cole kind of sabotaged it to get out of the race, I think. Or did I read that completely wrong?
2: I... F- Forgotten. Great, so cool.
1: Yeah. No not <laughs> memorable enough. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> not, not not important enough to be included. Great, uh, uh, but but the, the main thrust of, of this section of the movie is is Claire trying to convince Cole to convince Rowdy to go to hospital, but he's just too proud. And I think he has a discussion with Hogg about how drivers don't want to be confronted by their own mortality. Um,
2: so they, yeah, they don't go to hospitals. They don't go to funerals. Funerals. Yeah. They yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like cool. I love toxic masculinity.
1: Yeah, I really wish they'd made more of that. Like, that's an interesting thing to explore. Uh but they don't <laughs> <laughs> um, uh Cole is racing, he's always racing. Uh it, I've said this a number of times on the podcast. I the first time I saw this, I was very surprised to find out that this is not the film where the quote, I feel the need, the need for speed. Uh, is because it just makes more sense in this movie to me in, in my brain. Um he has a new Imagine
2: they just slipped it in. Imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? Just acknowledge it. Just do it again. Everyone in the audience yeah. will be like, yeah Yeah, let's turn and burn. Let's just, yeah, let's do all of them. Let's do all of them. You can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> is what he says to me at the end. Great. Um he has a new rival, which is Carrie Elwes, who's a bit of a non entity in this movie. The team is owned by the same owner, Randy Quaid. Um, yeah,
2: so apparently this is not a common thing. So normally the Guy who owns the team would not have multiple vehicles racing against each other. Yeah. I just like, usually they just have the one team and the one main driver. So it's actually quite out of the ordinary to do something like that. And so that starts friction, especially because, I don't know, Iceman, whatever his name is, is a big fucking asshole. So (laughs) yeah,
1: exactly. That's interesting. He's just like
2: immediately just bullying Cole. Like, Mm. he's like, like, The passive-aggressive, like, I hope I can race as good as you. And Cole's like, oh, shit.
1: I don't want to race anymore. Yeah, yeah. So Cole uh, tries uh, to kill him. (laughs) 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 he, He leaves the pit lane and makes a beeline directly for Russ Wheeler's car uh I mean at the very least he 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 destroys the cars uh, and then afterwards he and Claire discuss their relationship and a taxi uh beeps their horn uh so, so they move on. So Cole uh, uh, tries to kill him. <laughs> He like reverses into the taxi and then chases the taxi down. It's very intense. Uh, and then Cole goes to convince Rowdy to visit the hospital, but he's a little bit reluctant. So Cole threatens him with a bat. <laughs> so, I mean, what an insane man. <laughs>
2: I'm telling you, toxic masculinity in cars. That's this movie.
1: (laughs) Those three scenes in Succession are absolutely bizarre. And Cruise is giving a laughably intense performance. Do you remember the bit um, in Born on the 4th of July where he's, I mean, there's loads of bits where he's doing the shouting thing. But it's the one where he's drunk and he's shouting like erect penis and all of that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that that yeah. is the energy that he's giving when he's trying to get his friend to go to the hospital which is absolutely insane um, it's uh, crazy um, but it does convince him I mean it works, you can threaten your mates to go to the hospital because uh, when he goes to the hospital he learns that he needs brain surgery and he asks Cole to drive his car for him in uh whatever fucking race is coming up. That's the big one, right? It's the Daytona. It's the big. It's big race. Big,
0: big race.
1: race. Yeah. Big race. Big race. <laughs> okay. Yes. Big race. Uh which it seems agrees. exactly
0: the same as all the other races.
1: It's the same as the other races, but this one's bigger.
0: And I suppose But not physically or in length. Not not physically,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> or duration. Because-
2: okay. I assume they've like knocked people out and they're like all the crummy races are out, so this is all the good races. I just, now,
1: honestly, no idea. I assumed it was like F one. There's a couple of things that I assumed was like F one. One is the two drivers thing. I assumed that that was just standard practice because obviously every team in F one has two drivers. Yeah. Um, and the other one is that I assumed this was just a series of races with the same people in them every time, and you accumulate points.
2: No, I think you have to go go fast and win, and then you go to the next one.
1: I I I knew that bit I knew knew the go (laughs) fast and win bit (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I suppose you could say about football matches though right the World Cup final is just another football match but it's just slightly more important Um, he has a bit of a confrontation with Harry who thinks that he'll die if he goes out racing again but I don't really understand what's changed from when he believed in him to when he didn't uh, is it just that he has the fear now?
2: Yeah, I guess. Just, I mean, I feel like if, if my brain swelled up and my eye stopped working, that I would also not want to do the thing that caused that problem.
1: Yeah, that's true. I guess, yeah, if my brain had swollen and I couldn't see anymore, I wouldn't be like, oh, I really want to drive I would simply somewhere. stop doing <laughs> yeah, that thing. <laughs> yeah, I would stop, stop driving, even if I didn't like driving. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't. The film kind of doesn't do enough to get under the the skin of, of of the character. You know, I don't really know why he's making any of these decisions other than uh, I I like racing, and that's kind of it. You know, mm.
3: yeah.
2: making a point, proving a point because his dad was a bad guy, I guess.
1: Toxic masculinity.
0: But even even <laughs> that's kind of just like dismissively mentioned in one scene. Top mm. Gun style. Yeah. It's just you know, like oh yeah, my dad drove off into the sunset or something. I assume that every dad flies or drives off into the sunset.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the <a> pretty safe <laughs> assumption. Yeah, in a in a, like an eighties, nineties Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, we go to Daytona. There's interviews with what I assume are real drivers, but I haven't haven't looked it up because they don't seem like they're yeah, acting. Yeah, so
2: they were all real drivers because, and you can tell so easily because. It was so natural, them giving the interviews. Yeah. And then Carry-overs. um, carry- yeah. he's like uh,
1: such a, uh, such an
2: acting version. Yes. And I'm like, oh, come on.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't he's gel like, uh,
2: He's not very good at driving and I'm going to run him off the road. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay.
1: Um, Cole is very nervous. Claire visits him to kind of warn him, but also calm him down and says she's not going to watch him race. There's a problem with the engine. Oh, Do
2: we cover the fact that He's now driving, um, Randy's car. So he yeah. switched teams. Yeah yeah, 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 And so, yeah, so that Randy can keep his sponsors and be able to, you know, pay for having, um, you know, pay for his family to exist. He needs to keep his sponsors, so he needs Cole to drive for him. And I think switching teams is a big no-no. Like people just don't do that. I guess he's a traitor. So, yeah,
1: but, he also, but they, yeah.
0: he also gets a new engine
1: well that's the thing is they say there's a problem with the engine and we stole this one but it's it's given to them by randy quaid's character yeah right yeah in a in a in a a, uh, gesture of friendship um Mm. but i don't remember when they fell out so it meant nothing to me when he
0: crashed (laughs) he crashed (laughs) both of the cars oh yeah of course yes he
1: destroyed both of the cars in an attempt to kill another driver that's right yes um the, the, the race. There's another crash. It's exactly the same circumstances. He has to drive through the smoke like the time that he crashed and lost his vision. I'd have just gotten out of the car at that point. But this time, he he does it. And actually, do you know what? The race is pretty exciting. Maybe. But by this point, I've kind of lost any meaningful connection with the characters, um, especially this new faceless Carrie Elwes rival, who is just a replacement for the you know to make up for the fact that he's now friends with the person he was a rival with at the beginning of the movie. You always have to have a rival. You always have to have a love interest. You always have to have either a car or a plane. Um,
2: Why else would you do anything unless you have a rival and a hot girl to bone, really? Right,
1: exactly, exactly. Do you guys all have a, a nemesis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: have a couple. Yeah, okay, good.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, he wins. He wins the race by using a similar risky move, like he's known for going around the outside but this time he goes on the inside and it's very surprising for everybody that he's racing properly, I guess um, and he wins, and it's very celebratory and there's a lot of guitar and rock music and he's reunited with Nicole Kidman, but perhaps the most important uh, reuniting is, is is his last conversation with with Harry Hogg, and, and Hogg is just kind of, uh, you know very humbled by the fact that he was able to help someone win the Daytona there's the, the big race. Um, and so they have a foot race. And I can't remember why. Does anyone know why they have a foot race? So
2: there was a little bit earlier where they had a little, like, I'll race you and they do a little run thing. Yeah. And so they just rehash that. And this was before Tom Cruise has perfected his run that we all know yeah, now. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like he's got
2: the stiff body, but his arms are just, like, his, kind of all he's over he's the place. So are, bad.
1: His arms are too far <laughs> out. He, he needs to yeah. tuck his elbows in and do the
0: that he yeah. looks like someone's like cobbled his ankles misery style <laughs> like he's properly hobbling along <laughs> it's
1: not and then it's, it's, it's it, that, that weird position is exacerbated by the fact that that's the freeze frame that yeah. they do at the end is Tom Cruise <laughs> Currently losing a race to Robert Duval. <laughs> 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 a crazy image. But he loves it because I've never seen we haven't seen a wider grin on Tom Cruise's face yet yeah. in all of the movies. Um and that's that's the freeze frame and that's the end of the movie. Uh what did we think of the movie?
2: Well, like I said, I first time seeing it, I'm like, oh, what the hell is this? This is Top Gun with cars. Mm. And yeah, uh, just watching it. A bunch more, like for the podcast, and just because you know if it's playing on a big screen, I'm going to go. Any Tom Cruise is movies playing on a big screen, I will go see it because yes, you know I have a reputation to uphold and I <laughs> and I love all the movies. So, the more I've watched it, the more I do enjoy it. Um, Top Gun is one of those ones like I really enjoy, but I don't. Everyone's like, oh, you must love Top Gun. I'm like, it's not even in my top ten of Tom Cruise movies. Yeah, like I don't, I didn't grow up watching it, which I think is. Nine times out of ten, the problem if you don't watch a movie when it comes out in the 80s or 90s, like you don't necessarily get it if you watch it in 2020 or whatever. So,
1: Top Gun especially relies on that nostalgia, I think, yeah.
2: Mm, yeah, definitely. So I think that's a little reason why Top Gun isn't hasn't nowhere near cracked the top ten. But it is infinitely a better movie than this. Um, I think the only way they could have fixed this movie in terms of its – Comparison to Top Gun is that they made a slightly worse movie about racing boats or something, <laughs> and then they would have had the three, <laughs>
3: the
1: trilogy,
2: and then on <laughs> trains. I don't know what else can you race.
1: <laughs> can you race trains? It's one track. <laughs> <laughs> one of them's going to be stuck behind the other. Um, <laughs> uh. Yeah, I think I think that. Uh, so I saw this movie a, a little while ago because I don't know. It was probably on Netflix or something. I was like, oh, there's a Tom Cruise movie that I haven't seen. Um, And I I remember enjoying it. I I listened to my letterbox, and I gave it like three stars. I remember it being okay. And it's gone down in my estimation on this second watch. And it's because in between those two watches, I've seen Top Gun. Like, I hadn't Mm. seen Top Gun before. I actually saw Days of Thunder before I watched Top Gun. Watching Top Gun really highlights how much this is trying so hard to capitalise and imitate uh, on, on that energy of, of of Top Gun. And the problem for me with this movie might actually be Tom Cruise, who is in that Oscar mode and he needs that bigger cartoonish performance like Top Gun. And he's another kind of unlikable character in many ways. You know? Mm-hmm. But Cruz puts in way less work than he usually does to make him likable. Uh Colour of Money. Vince is kind of unlikable, but Tom Cruise is giving that big charismatic performance and there's something endearing about it. Cocktail. That character is wildly unlikable. But it's a big charisma movie. And and obviously Top Gun is the same thing. Um it's a great looking movie because it's Tony Scott. And you know, it, it, the the action very exciting. Good job on the cars, guys. Everyone loves the cars. But I'm gonna have to give it. I'm gonna have to take it down. I'm giving it a two out of five. I just didn't vibe with this movie uh, on on this go round. I I don't know if I'm being too harsh, but I don't care. So it annoyed me. It annoyed me this time. And it's the first time in this uh in this podcast where I've paused a film halfway through because I'm just too tired and I went to bed and then I finished it this morning. Uh and I haven't done that with any of the other films. Even Endless Love or Losing It, I watched them all the way through. Jesus. Uh so yeah, 2 out of 5. You guys give me your thoughts and scores.
0: I mean, I am also giving it 2 stars. Oh. Um, Cuz I just we're just sympathetic. We're so you know? in sync. Um <laughs> I just found it dull. Like to be honest, like there are there are moments that are fun, like the the whole renting the cars and, you know, the racing is done well, I guess. Um, but it's just because it's such a carbon copy of Top Gun and it kind of is a bit aimless as well. Mm. Like it doesn't really feel like there's any real drive behind each scene. It's just <laughs> drive. Oh. oh. Yeah, good, good. good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, it was just boring. Yeah, I, okay, I didn't. Cool. <laughs> I didn't care about it. I didn't care. It's not a bad film. It's not like it's a badly made film. Apart from the you know yeah. writing a script on the fly, but it's just <laughs> dull.
1: It is. And it is pretty dull, and doesn't and, need and to exist. A lot of the scenes I found to be quite one note. Yeah, uh, and I think that's fine. Uh, and what we've learned on the music podcast that I host. Is is that a lot of artists are can be one note. And if you like the note that they're playing, that's great. And if you don't vibe with the note, you're probably not gonna like a lot of the stuff that they do. And this movie, one note, and the note is not for me. I think that's that's what it is, really.
2: Mm. Um, I I mean I've I've talked up that I really enjoy this movie, but I'm only gonna give it a two and a half. Okay, cool. So I, <laughs> wow. like, I I'm almost like a toxic positivity person with movies, like I, I, mm. I think most of them are all great unless they really suck. So I'm like, no, this is this is fun and entertaining. I think, and I don't know if you guys agree. I think the way that they could have improved this movie is a more, yeah, a more heightened Tom Cruise performance and having a goddamn script before they started. That so would have probably that
1: probably would have been really helpful. I think that would have
2: made a lot, <laughs> yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. I think it just, yeah, it was too choppy and yeah, and also like apparently Tom Cruise had little uh, kid his dialogue written up and taped to his windscreen and was reading as he went along and then ended up having a small crash and like this nothing was going right in this movie so i think yeah if they just had instead of pumping an extra 20 million dollars into this movie just stopped wrote a script and then yeah just went back and shot it yeah
1: just pause production but i imagine on something like this when the wheels are moving, the wheels are moving, right? You can't just... Yeah, that's Yeah, it. yeah, yeah exactly.
2: Yeah. And the only other thing... Oh, I just forgotten what my third thing was. I'm sure it was very important. But, um yeah, I think if they just hadn't made it so much of a wannabe poor carbon copy version of Top Gun, I think they could have... And that made it, might have made it a bit better. Like, if they hadn't have made it such so transparent that they were trying to be mm. Top Gun but with, with cars, I think would have made a huge difference. But unfortunately, you know, it's 80s, 90s, and we know what, you know, studios are like, the studio system in Hollywood, and, like, it's very unrealistic of me to expect these things from that era. But, yeah, I think... It had it could have had potential, but it just wasn't that good in the grand scheme of like if you're gonna compare it to every other Tom Cruise movie essentially, like even even though some of his very first movies were a bit dog shit, like everything else, forty of his movies compared to this movie, yeah. It's not very good. No, yeah
0: it is coming off the back of some absolutely like heavy hitting classics.
2: If if this had come out before Top Gun or yeah, earlier on, we'd be like, I think we we'd all have a very different perspective on this film, but it didn't. It came out in 1990 and he'd already made some absolute bangers. So
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's 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 a risky uh proposition, the whole like let's just do Top Gun again but with cars. Uh because uh if this movie had been great, we'd all be sitting and going, "Oh, it's great. It's Top Gun but with cars." But because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's shit, we're going, nah, it's shit, it's Top Gun, but with cars. Like it, you can, it, it, On paper, it should have worked. Um, we like to give a rating for the cruiseness of the movie. Now, look, that's up to interpretation. Um, you know, cruiseness, it, it's a broad church, uh, so just bring whatever you feel to it. I'm going quite low. I'm going to give a four out of ten. I, I think that the movie is very cruise <laughs> because he was involved right from the beginning and he had a lot of sway on this movie but it's just a real misappropriation of his energy I think
0: so I'm giving it a 4 out of 10 I'm i I'm going to give it a 5 okay one extra yeah uh, because uh, it's kind of like well the film is very much like Top Gun but it, his performance is kind of like Top Gun in the sense that he's in a vehicle for a lot of it so you don't actually get that much intensity of just Tom Cruise's eyes kind of going oh oh Looking this way and that. And I just don't I don't think I can rate any film highly for cruise points when his character is called Cole Trickle and the <laughs> one shot of him running is so fucking weird.
1: Yeah, okay. Like that's those are good reasons. Those are good reasons. Yeah. Tom. Cara the cruiseness, what do I mean, what, what does cruiseness mean to you?
2: Well, in my podcast we do Tom cruisesms. So we rank like we work out all the things that we do he does. In all of his movies, so usually it's running stunts, yeah. The big Tom Cruise smile, they're
1: laughing maniacally, one,
2: one <laughs> laughing maniacally, and clap the big clap he does, or Sorry, like he does wait, it in a lot of a surprising clap. amount of movies. He gets drunk, oh, yeah. When well he like he leans back and does the oh, yeah, okay, clap. yes, yes, so, okay. the Tom Cruise clap. He does that in a lot of movies, um, <laughs> and he gets drunk at a lot of movies and has a drunken monologue, like so. He when I think about Tom Cruisesms, I there's not that many. Like mm. the running is at the end and it's bad. And at the end he also does the big Tom Cruise smile. And yeah, so there's it's actually it is a very Tom Cruise movie on paper, but when you actually try and figure out what makes a Tom Cruise movie Tom Cruisey, yeah, it's I would say I'd probably make it five as well because yeah, it is at a very base level, very Tom Cruisey, but it just doesn't have the the spark of Tom Cruiseyness that we're yeah. kind of used to. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame
0: thing. given that he turns up on the motorbike. Like it's such a high yeah, Tom Cruise. It, it so should promising. be. Like, on and paper, so you're like, he turns up
2: on a motorbike. Yeah. He does this. He does this. And he does this. And you're like, oh, this is going to be the most ridiculous Tom Cruise movie in the world. And then you watch it, and you're like, yeah, it's all right, <laughs> like it's, it's pretty Tom Cruisey, I guess. Anyone would else you-
0: could have played that role. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't think it would have made any difference to the film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I think, yeah, Any anyone who was a bit of a heartthrob back then could have done it and maybe should have and he could have just concentrated on his Oscar bait movies. Mm. But, no, Tom Cruise wanted a, a Zoom Zoom movie, so <laughs> here we are.
1: <laughs> would, would you recommend the movie to people?
2: Um. Yes, I do. And it's more in the context of this is like, yeah, top, this is Top Gun with cars. Mm. And anyone I know who likes cars a little bit, I will suggest it. Or if I'm just like, if you want something really tacky, like this is, uh, yeah. Usually, if I recommend it, it's to someone who's seen a lot of Tom Cruise movies and wants to see something a bit weird, and has you know, this movie has a stacked cast. Like there's so many famous people that you will recognise in it. Yeah. But yeah, like just warn them. Like it's it's also a bit weird.
1: The, the the would you recommend it question is always really difficult to me because I would ju- I, I found that I usually just would recommend that anybody watches any movie because I just like yeah. watching movies and it's like, yeah oh no, you've got to see fucking Endless Love just because it's weird. Um but no, I don't think I, I think I don't think I would recommend this movie. I, I would recommend that people watch uh Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Because it's the same movie, but it's really funny. Uh, and 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 has the right energy, I think, for a movie like this. What about Tom? If I said, you know, recommend me a movie, would you say Days of Thunder? No. Okay, good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just give it a miss. It's just N- it neither would exist.
1: Um, neither would a lot of critics at the time. It kind of mixed reviews. A lot of the reviews, uh, funnily enough, pointed out that it's like Top Gun but not as good. Um, it had a, like we talked about the sixty million budget, which is crazy. It only made $158 million, which for the time is a lot of money, $158 million. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, a lot now, but also at the time, $60 million was a very high budget. It was kind of a hit, but not on the scale that they wanted, especially in comparison to the movie they were trying to replicate, Top Gun, because that made $357 uh, million on a budget that was a, qu- a quarter of the size. Like, crazy. Um does it have much of a legacy? Days of Thunder. I think it kind of does.
2: I would have said no if I hadn't been to that screening at the right. drive-in where everyone was absolutely frothing for this movie. So <laughs> it obviously had a huge impact on car people, but I think the average person, like otherwise, like the only thing I can think of is like, yeah, Talladega Nights. And I imagine in America there is more of a fan base because they are so into NASCAR. Mm. So that's why they could do Talladega Nights because, you know, they all love NASCAR and so a lot of people probably grew up watching Days of Thunder. Yeah. But, yeah, like the only other thing I think of with this movie is the scene from The Simpsons in the wheelchairs and I laugh (laughs) heartily at that and that's that's it. I
1: I think think, uh, there's got to be some people who remember it as the film where he met Nicole Kidman. Mm. there's 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 got to be that because like far and away i'd basically never heard of uh i know that they're both uh they're both in it but yeah uh i I, I had
0: i hadn't heard of days of thunder
1: really yeah it's interesting that is interesting It, it, it occurs to me as one of his like bigger more famous movies but maybe i'm wrong um you know my experience is usually Different to everybody else's experience or anybody else's experiences. Everybody's experiences are different, guys. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, I've noticed
2: that, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but not equally valuable. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. <laughs>
1: This is, uh, this, this movie might also maybe be the template for people's understanding of Tom Cruise. That thing we were talking about, like, he's good at something and now he's no longer good at it and has to learn to be good at it again. It's another one of those movies and co- probably contributes to, uh, the fact that Tom Cruise only appears in movies like that and all the movies are very flashy and a bit over the top, which is not the case. Uh, but I think this movie doesn't do much to dissuade anybody from that notion, you know. (laughs) Um, That's it, but before we wrap up, it's obviously time for our long-running game. Uh, Only one of us is allowed to look at the IMDb trivia page for each movie. This week it's Tom. He's going to present me with three pieces of trivia. Only one of them is one that he's made up. Uh, Kara, you and I can confer, and we have to discern which one is the one that he's made up
2: uh i i did a mini-sode all about this trivia of this movie so i'm probably like i know too much okay
1: we're gonna get it we're gonna get it uh uh, we're gonna get this one as we play two crews and a lie
0: okay adam your three pieces of trivia
1: here we go okay Number I'm one. really relying on you. I'm really relying on you. Yes, yeah. on one. Okay. okay. Hang on. Wait. Wait. Let's set up the stakes because we are back at like even keel. No one owes any money at the moment. We've kind of swapped back and forth. Um, the the loser owes the winner a tenner, basically. Right? Like for each time. Okay. I right. I think
0: we should scale up and uh, do it for pink slips. No, I think I think we'll just do we'll
1: just do a tenner for now. You, you sure you don't want to bet a car, Adam? Yeah, I really don't want to bet my car. I need that for work. Um, mm. So let's let's just do a tenner. Uh, okay, let's let's go.
0: Okay, number one. During the first take of the scene in which Cruz and Duval raced down the beach in rental cars, they ran over and killed most of the birds lured there for the shot. <laughs> Number two. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. In which Cruz and Duval
1: race on the beach?
0: Not Duval, the other guy.
1: The other guy, Michael Rucker's Rooker, Rooker. Michael character. Okay, they killed the birds. Okay, okay, Pause. okay.
0: I don't remember any. Despite their names, yeah, I don't remember I anyone's name in this film. I know.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. That's number one. Okay. okay interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Over. I think that one's the lie. Okay. Okay.
0: Right. Number two. Tony Scott originally wanted Val Kilmer to play the role of Russ Wheeler, the new Michael Postrucker, in a nod to Top Gun, but Kilmer was too busy filming The Doors.
1: Hmm. Or doing anything else. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, that kind of. Um...
2: That would have been truly the most obnoxious thing that's ever happened in cinema history.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. That... The
2: whole. This whole <laughs> fucking movie is a nod to Top Gun. And then we're like. Why will not we just tip the hat a little further and have fucking Val Kilmer play the same character?
1: That's that's the same vibe as them wanting to cast Paul Newman instead of Dustin Hoffman off the back of the success of The Color of Money. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood's just obsessed with with keeping the same people in movies. Just
2: okay, nodding. I'm, we're just gonna keep nodding at each other. Yep, nice. Now,
1: now I reckon that one's the lie. Okay, all right, yeah. all right, Tom. Yeah, yeah. number
0: three. Mm. Nicole Kidman wanted to study neurosurgery for her part, but the producers told her it would be a waste of time. <laughs>
1: okay, well now I think that one's the lie.
0: Oh, these are difficult, Tom.
1: You've made these really difficult. Cara, what are you saying? Come on, you must you you must know. You must know off by heart which one's the lie.
2: Um, I know which one's definitely a truth.
1: Okay, okay. Which
2: is... The, the Nicole Kidman one, I'll give you that. The,
1: the, the neurosurgery one. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: And because I'm like, yeah, you don't need to learn neurosurgery to play a neurosurgeon where you're being a neurosurgeon for what, five minutes in this film? Like, yeah. Did yeah, she yeah. catch wind of Tom Cruise being like, well, I learned this from this film? And she's like, maybe I can get a free degree out of this. <laughs> no, you don't get a free degree for neurosurgery for oh.
1: real, real method acting. For posterous. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're between killing a bunch of birds and wanting to cast Val Kilmer. um the Val Kilmer thing sounds real, right? The Val Kilmer thing sounds real, Kara, you've got such a poker face on. I don't know if you're not wanting to let me know which one's real or
2: <laughs> no, I'm gonna let you guess this one. ah oh, fuck
1: um all right i think I think the bird's thing is a lie, okay uh, number one, number one's the lie Adam yeah.
0: I'm afraid they did run over oh, and kill most of the birds.
1: God, damn it.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam.
1: Alright, <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Okay. Alright, sorry, you're a tenor. That's fine. That's your okay. car. So so you made up the Val Kilmer thing. Did you make it up yeah. off off the back of the Paul Newman thing? Did I identify no. why you'd made it up? No. Okay, no, no, great, right, no. great. Okay, it's well,
0: kind of similar.
1: That is how and uh what? We play two crews in a lie.
2: So does that mean they couldn't have the humane society, no animals were harmed in the making of this film thing at the end of the movie because actually hundreds of birds were needlessly slaughtered for a funny little scene?
0: i have no idea <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna go check the yeah we're
2: soon. gonna have
1: to I'm go check that out Nasty <laughs> i'll put it on twitter um that is that is the end uh of the episode thank you so much for joining us Cara. this has been really fun and yeah you like we said earlier you're gonna have to come back and i'm wondering if we should do uh fallout but i think the danger with uh us doing fallout is that that would be a five-hour episode uh, yes. Because e- even this episode that we're doing now, I'm just looking at the time, has run longer than the run time <laughs> of the movie. Um, so,
2: well, like, okay, let's put it in perspective. If I don't give a fuck about racing cars and I still knew as many facts as I did, <laughs> can you imagine the movie that I've watched 300 times? Yeah, how know. many facts I know?
1: <laughs> and we're going to have to go into why we think every single shot is good. Like, it's going to be a shot by shot analysis.
2: When Empire Magazine did the podcast episodes with Christopher McQuarrie, yeah, 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 and they talked for like three, three plus hours for on the movie, and they kept and they brought him back again to keep talking about it. Yeah, it's great. And I was just like listening to it. I'm like, I've listened to it a couple of times, and I'm like taking notes. I'm like, yeah, this is good trivia to know. So yeah, I'm. Have you have you listened to the the, uh, the Light
1: the Fuse podcast? They had Christopher McQuarrie on at one no, point. No, well. I
2: haven't started that yet. Um, because that's a, such a huge undertaking. Yeah, and I'm excited because I love Mission Impossible, but. Yeah, that's something I'm going to have to like just power through.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's worth that's worth the journey. Okay, cool. We, we will we will see you again. But in the meantime, how do people go and find you?
2: Okay, well, if you haven't had enough Tom Cruisiness yet <laughs> after listening to this podcast, uh, you can listen to more. It's Cruisin' for a reviews and I'm Tom Cruise reviews on Instagram and Tom Cruise review no s on the end on Twitter. Um, otherwise. You can just find me everywhere else on the internet, Rockfotze, R-O-C-K-F-O-T-Z-E, and I just post anything stuff, anything and everything under that stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: some stuff.
1: Yeah, amazing, <laughs> cool. Everyone, go and check out uh, Cruising for Reviews because it is a really fun. It's it's fun that you get people who've never seen the movie. That's always like a nice dynamic. Um, yeah, Tom people should go and follow Tom on Letterboxd what we've noticed is when we say hey go follow us on Letterboxd people follow me and not Tom
0: yeah <laughs> it's probably because I don't a- review any films I literally just I saw that film I've seen a little I saw that film I've
1: seen a little bump in followers and you're just <laughs>
0: all right I've got uh, four mate all right
2: how about I'll follow you right now what's perfect so
1: yeah it's just it's just Tom Ashford on Letterboxd uh and uh and adam Glass but i mean my profile picture is a picture of tom cruise i imagine that makes me more easy for, yeah. for our <laughs> listeners to find um but listeners come and tell us what you think of the movie outside of letterboxd as well because on instagram and twitter we're cruise pod you can email us cruiseviewspodcast.gmail.com uh and until you do that your mission should you choose to accept it is to watch far and away before next week's episode this podcast will self-destruct in five seconds.